What up? Man, we are streaming live right now in the FTJ studios, man. It's your host, Addison. Man, welcome back to a brand new edition of From the Jump. Man, we got breaking news right now coming across the sports wire that has said Patriots owner Robert Kraft is being charged on two counts of first-degree solicitation for soliciting a prostitute back in January of this year before the AFC Championship game. Now, it says that attorneys say that Robert Kraft visited a massage parlor uh, I guess the morning before the AFC Championship game, of course, the most notable game was the Patriots did defeat the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, according to the documents that was, uh, I guess, obtained from the Florida Palm City uh, state attorney, if you will, they said that this was Robert Kraft's second time going to this parlor in 24 hours. Now, they said that Robert Kraft showed up, I guess, apparently on January 20th. And of course, they got him on videotape, you know, of course, receiving and also having sexual intercourse with the woman at the day spa. And then they said, of course, Robert Kraft then hopped on a jet and headed to Kansas City. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. The situation is funny, but also serious at the same time. Now, what makes the situation as funny is poor Robert Kraft. At the end of the day, my man is 77 years old. He just clearly was just trying to get some right quick before the game. And then, you know, after the game, you know, he could probably double back. But I get it. At the end of the day, Robert Kraft is a billionaire owner. But I want to know exactly who Robert Kraft was before I get into, you know, why this situation is really serious. And so I do some digging because a lot of people believe that Robert Kraft and Kraft Macaroni and Cheese, James L. Kraft, are related. And they're not. Robert Kraft is the founder, chairman, and CEO of the Kraft Group. Now, what the Kraft Group is, is is a holding company of the Kraft's family businesses, which include the New England Patriots, the New England Revolution, which is a soccer team, uh, Gillette Stadium, of course. And then, of course, I, I guess they say he owns the International Forest Products, Randy, um, the Rand Whitney Group, um, hundreds of other private equity investments. So Robert Kraft owns a lot of businesses. One happens to include the New England Patriots. And oh, by the way, Gillette Stadium. So now how, what makes this situation is serious is because of the fact that you can't have your billionaire owner in Jupiter, Florida, the day of the game soliciting sex from prostitutes. You can't have that. But now this doesn't shock me. This doesn't surprise me. This doesn't make me look at Robert Kraft any more, any less of a man, because this has probably been going on for years now. I mean, again, these owners have too much money on their hands. You think that they just come into the office day in and day out and he's only thinking about the New England Patriots? Again, his wife died, I think, was it back in 2011? I think so. He died. His wife died a couple years back. And, of course, you know the Patriots wear the patch on the chest to kind of commemorate, you know, her, if you will. He, I'm not even going to lie to you, probably, probably up until maybe a couple years back, a lot of people didn't know who Robert Kraft was. Of course, if you're a football savant or you're a sports savant, you know, you know who Robert Kraft is. Of course, you know, the New England Patriots owner. But a lot of people really didn't know nationally who Robert Kraft was. You know, Robert Kraft has been linked to Meek Mill, you know, having some ties, either getting him out of jail or help facilitating getting him out of jail. Uh, you, you know, you've seen him on the stage with Cardi B during the Super Bowl week dancing around. Uh, you've seen him most notably with the cha- championships chain on. Now, so we've seen Robert Kraft kind of out and about on social media and different platforms. And of course, once you put yourself out there, you know, in that public eye like that, that leaves, you know, for a lot of, of people to kind of do background work on you and to find out what you really got going on. And so, again, you know, this situation with Robert Kraft is only going to get serious just because of the fact that, for one, the Patriots just won the Super Bowl. So now we're not only going to be talking about the Patriots Super Bowl, but we could be potentially talking about whether or not Robert Kraft has to give up the team. But now they're saying in this, I guess, in this I guess, scandal, if you will, that he isn't the, the, the main target, that there's other individuals that are in this main target. So, of course, as time goes on, more names will be, of course, added to this list. But as we know right now, Robert Kraft 
is apparently being charged with two counts. But switching from the NFL to the NBA, after a 128-115 humiliating loss on Saturday night, LeBron James, after the game, questioned his teammates. Y'all take a listen. In the last few years, you know, everybody's so accustomed to the, the losses that I'm just not accustomed to. I'm not accustomed to it. I would never get comfortable with losing. That's just how I'm built. That's who I am. When you don't really, when you've never been there or, or know what it takes to actually, you know, you know, shoot for something like that, and sometimes you're afraid to get uncomfortable. You know, so you got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Now, I know off the first listen, a lot of people can hear that and think, oh, LeBron James is being mean. But I personally thought this was, you know, LeBron James being desperate at this point because he realizes we're 10th in the West right now. LeBron James isn't accustomed to losing. Again, this is a guy that's been to the NBA Finals, regardless of who has been on his team for nine straight years. And this is the first year right now that we are actually seeing that no matter what LeBron James does, he can score 29, 11, 11, he can score 60, he can score 100 points. And the Lakers still are losing by 25 or 30 points. Now, of course, Saturday's loss against the Pelicans, they just weren't playing defense. I mean, that's just the bottom line of the situation. But if you look at the Western Conference standings right now, the Clippers have a firm lead on that eighth seed right now. And then the Sacramento Kings right now are 31 and 28. And you can tell those young guys, Marvin Bagley, DeAndre Fox, and all them boys, they are hoopers. Harry Giles, they are hungry. They want to be in the playoffs. They want to be better. They want to do better. And that's what you want. There's a lot of teams right now, like the Phoenix Suns, that are tanking. The New York Knicks that are tanking. The Cleveland Cavaliers, the Chicago Bulls, trading assets, trading picks away. And you have teams like the Sacramento Kings, you know, and the Minnesota Timberwolves, you know, a couple other teams, you know, that are actively fighting for playoff spots. And right now, I can't really definitively say that about the Los Angeles Lakers. Because, again, once you added LeBron James to this team, you all realized what this meant. So, again, you know, by LeBron calling out his teammates, I don't think he was wrong in calling out his teammates. Sometimes it's not about what you say. It's about how you say it. Keeping with the NBA, the NBA is set to change the draft age from 19 years old to 18. Now, of course, the most notable one and done rule which went into play back in 2006 mandated that all draft eligible players be at least 19 years old and at least one year removed from high school. A lot of people felt like this was the NBA's way of forcing kids to go to college. And as a result, college is making money off of the kids. And so now we have this whole epidemic going on with the one and done. And should players be paid by college athletics? Which I agree that players should be paid by the college athletics department, by the NCAA. But again, that's another conversation for another day. But by the NBA specifically changing its draft age from 19 years old to 18 years old, I think this is a big deal. I think this now allows the top high school guys to come straight out of high school and go into the pros. And I think it'll also help college basketball as well. Again, I've been on this show numerous of times and said that I believe that once you eliminate the one and done, it'll kind of really put college basketball back to where college basketball should be. Meaning that, you know, most teams are gonna have teams full of sophomore, juniors, and seniors. But you know, nowadays we're seeing the with the one and done, you know, this guy going to Duke and this guy going to Kentucky. So it doesn't necessarily end up being about the program per se, it's more or less about the kid. And again, you know, got a team like Duke, a coach like Coach K, you know, it kind of messes up the core of your team because you don't have a core team year in and year out. You're kind of every year kind of renting players. By the NCAA changing this rule from 1918, again, I think it'll help everybody involved. I think it'll help the NBA by just allowing those guys to come straight out of high school to the pros. It'll allow college players that need to go to college and need to develop their game. And those that ultimately want to play college basketball, the ability to play college basketball. And it allows the kid to, from the jump, to make money off of their likeness. Because again, once they go to college, they essentially give up that right for a year. 
But don't go anywhere. Up next on From the Jump, we will talk Jason Brown, head coach from the Last Chance U Netflix show, being fired. We'll talk Kyler Murray fully committing to football over baseball. And on today's edition of the wrap-up, we'll talk Kyrie's guarantee. Stay tuned. It's From the Jump. Faster than ever the world is changing Because opportunity is raging Mixed reality changing the world we see Intelligence to build it like we always hoped it would be But it's not really about what technology can do It's about how it's used by you In the end it's just a tool so bring it What's a hammer without a person to swing it Your possibility is endless, your limits are few So here's the real question What will you do? your beard with Old Spice Beard Balm. Fresh off the advertisement break, man, we are live right now in the FTJ studios, kicking it with your engineer, E, man, E on the ones and twos. What you got for me, E? What you, what you, you know what I'm What you got for me today, man? We live right now in the FTJ studios. But you know we got to get into some sports news from around the world right now. Now, the Baltimore Ravens are releasing veteran wide receiver Michael Crabtree after one season. Now, of course, Michael Crabtree was set to earn $7.5 million in 2019 and also a roster bonus of $2.5 million, of course, next month. But the Baltimore Ravens decided to part ways. And, of course, this comes as, you know, their plan to ultimately build around Lamar Jackson. Again, you know, the first domino to fall was them trading Joe Flacco to the Denver Broncos, Michael Crabtree being let go. There's also reports that John Brown will also be let go as well. I believe they like Willie Sneed, so I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that we're going to see if they keep him. But again, remember, Michael Crabtree did sign a three-year, $21 million deal basically last year. You know, coming from the Oakland Raiders, where for the three past three seasons, kind of showed that he could potentially be that number one-ish, 1B-like receiver in the NFL again. You know, only catching three touchdowns, 600 yards. You know, they only say he only caught 13 passes from Lamar Jackson. Couldn't really find the connection. So, again, Michael Crabtree will be let go. I'll never forget Michael Crabtree, you know, those days back in Texas Tech when he's caught that touchdown against Texas that, you know, ultimately disrupted Texas' undefeated season. But, again, Michael Crabtree has been released by the Baltimore Ravens. Last chance you head coach Jason Brown, if you don't know who that is, the most notable from the Netflix series Last Chance You, is set to resign after they said that he told one of his German football players that he is his new Hitler. If you've seen the show, Jason Brown, I don't think truly meant any intent by it, and or maybe he did, I don't know. But of course, if, if you've seen Last Chance You, season three to be exact, um, you know, Jason Brown, you know, has a, a very flip mouth, you know, he has a very disrespectful you know, demeanor towards his players. And he kind of runs his program like I'm the boss and you listen to me. So he took to Twitter and, you know, basically kind of wrote a letter to all his fans, basically saying, you know, once a pirate, always a pirate. He put on Twitter as well, just the different uh, accomplishments that the independent school has accomplished. If you didn't watch the show, I definitely would recommend you to go watch it. I mean, he took kind of took a program who was kind of dead in the water and kind of revitalized them and brought some recruits back and brought some winning ways back to a town that really wasn't winning. So again, you know, Jason Brown did do some good 
for independent candidates. But then, like I said, if you watch the show and you just kind of saw his demeanor on there, he was very disrespectful towards his players. You can appreciate that at times. You know, a guy who's going to say it to you straight laced, no cut. Um, but you also, you know, at times, you know, it can get a little bit obsessive. You know, once it gets to the point where you're, you're calling me things outside the lines of football or you're, you're degrading me as a human being. But as I said, last chance you, head coach Jason Brown, will be resigning from Independence, Kansas. Now, according to multiple reports, the Los Angeles Dodgers have re-entered the free agency race, if you will, for Bryce Harper. Now, of course, we all know, most notably, the Philadelphia Phillies have been with talks, you know, meeting with Bryce Harper to find out, you know, whether or not they can kind of make a contract final within the next couple of days. But I think what the Dodgers have done, and just from reading all my different reports, again, they added A.J. Pollock to the outfield. They did let go of Yasiel Puig, so they did kind of clear up some cap room. Of course, Cody Bellinger, a lot of those guys kind of took a step back this year. But I think if you can add a guy like Bryce Harper, who ultimately, you know, has been a, a star in this you know league for quite a while now, and then you add him to this lineup, and somehow, some way, make it work in that lineup between him, Bellinger, Seager, and Turner, and all those, that that heavy lineup and now AJ Pollock along with Enrique Hernandez and Chris Taylor that Dodger lineup could be scary every time I'm leaving you don't make it easy wish I could be hold on run me back bro run me back certain things you just can't refuse I know come and go but it's out of my control Now, on today's edition of the wrap up, Kyrie Irving speaking to the media after a 126 to 116 loss to the Chicago Bulls spoke out and said that there isn't a team in the Eastern Conference that can beat the Boston Celtics in a seven game series. You know, it is what it is. Like I said, I don't get frustrated about this stuff anymore. It's just part of the regular season, you know, in the playoffs when we could plan for a team, prepare for a team. You know, I still don't see anybody beating us in seven games. So. Now, after hearing Kyrie Irving say that, I mean, again, it kind of just reiterates my thoughts about Kyrie Irving. And again, at this point, that's how Kyrie Irving should feel. Now, though the Boston Celtics didn't win the East last year, they did make it to the Eastern Conference Finals without Kyrie Irving. So maybe Kyrie Irving feels like if we made it to the Eastern Conference without me and didn't win it to ultimately a team in which the, the best player on it left, then without that team with the best player on it, I feel like we ultimately are the best team. Now, again, the Boston Celtics right now are fifth at 37 and 23. But can we definitively say the four teams that are in front of them are better? Can we say right now the Philadelphia 76ers, even with Tobias Harris that they've added, of course, Jimmy Butler, most notably, and B kind of being in and out the lineup, Ben Simmons, are we really going to trust that team in the playoffs in a seven-game series against the Celtics? I mean, we saw it last year that they couldn't get it done. I mean, again, you added Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris, so we'll see if that makes you know any difference. Again, the Indiana Pacers, of course, we'll kind of see the slide, them not having Victor Oladipo. It's going to play a factor, and, you know, and again, you know, come playoff time when you got to have star players and it just isn't about one off one night games, you know, that matters. And, you know, by them not having Victor Oladipo, that star player that, that you can kind of guarantee every night to kind of give you 26 and 27, it's going to be tough for the Indiana Pacers. Again, of course, the top two teams, of course, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Toronto Raptors. The Toronto Raptors have made a lot of different moves, adding Mark Gasol, Adding Jeremy Lin to that roster again, they traded a couple pieces for Kawhi Leonard. So that was Toronto Raptors' way of kind of going all in this year, saying, "Look, LeBron isn't here anymore. Let's try to go see if we can win a championship and see if we can retain Kawhi Leonard long term." And of course, number one team in the East, the Milwaukee Bucks. 
But do we trust the Milwaukee Bucks at this point? Giannis is playing great. Giannis has been an all-star. Chris Middleton has hit some big shots. Michael Brogdon was rookie of the year a couple seasons ago. But do we trust this Milwaukee Bucks team when it's going to come down to stretch, when it's going to come down to playoff time? Because now we know there's no longer a LeBron James. So now all the pressure really is on the Milwaukee Bucks, and it isn't on the Boston Celtics. So again, Kyrie Irving is absolutely right. I believe when it's all said and done, there isn't a team that I'm looking at one through eight when we had to lock in in seven games and it just isn't you play me tonight and then we play a different team tomorrow. I don't think there's a team that can lock in and beat the Boston Celtics for seven games. However, careful what you ask for, Kyrie. But of course, we talked about a lot on today's episode. I mean, y'all go follow your boy on all the social media from the jump. And we follow everybody back, man. Continue to keep streaming us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, YouTube, Google Play, Stitcher. We're trying to get on iHeartMedia, trying to get on Himalaya. We're trying to get on different platforms. We're trying to be on really every platform that all podcasts are available at. So definitely keep tapping into us. Definitely keep subscribing to us. We definitely will keep dropping these podcasts. But it's your boy. We out.